Hello, I'm Dean in North Carolina. And I'm Emily in Los Angeles. And you're listening to Hack a Week Coast to Coast, and this is episode five, all about Maker Faire. We had a blast there. We really did. It was such a fantastic time. This yeah, was my fun. first one, and I, I just cannot say enough good things about it. And awesome to finally meet you in person. Yeah, likewise. It was really cool. Yeah, that was cool. It's kind of a buddies bonding weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Oh, man, there's so much to talk about on Maker Faire. I had a blast. I mean, Maker Faire for me is always, and a lot of people, I'm sure, is a thing where the first time you go, it's like you find your tribe. And then every time you go back, you feel like you're coming home sort of a thing. And that's what it was like, especially for the San Mateo one, because that's the very first one I ever went to. And I was in the 2010 one. So, you know, nine years later, I'm back again as a uh, as a participant, not just a spectator. So that was fun. And um, I got to do a presentation, which was great, and talk about Hack Week. I had a pretty good crowd. I don't know. What do you think it was? Maybe 60 people? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, not bad, especially since it was the first thing in the morning on Sunday. Um, as the day goes by, there's always more people going to show up. But but it was cool because I had some people afterwards that came up and asked me some really specific questions about some of the thing I talked about. And one of them really struck me where the lady was talking about the pressure that she felt she was under and it was not fun anymore what she was doing. Yeah. And um, she kind of keyed on that part of my talk about when, you know, when it doesn't get fun, that's when you need to back up a little bit and realize that you got to do it, you know, because you enjoy it. It's not just all about pleasing your viewership. And that's nice, you know, and it keeps the monetization rolling in, but she hadn't monetized anything. She was doing a thing where I didn't really quite understand it. She had something set up where she was doing a membership or something. But anyway, okay. she said she felt way too much pressure and it just wasn't fun anymore. And she didn't know what she was going to do. I said, quit doing it. She said, well, what about all these people? I said, just, I don't know, you know, tell them, sorry. <laughs> you yeah. know, if, they, if you're paid up with them, you know, whatever, just, you know, give it up. So. Anyway, it was kind of neat to give a talk and then have somebody actually talk about something I, I was touching on afterwards and being able to offer a little advice from my experience anyway. But Yeah, for sure. And th this is like, this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, I don't know, if, have you watched any of Cody's lab on YouTube? Have you seen any of this stuff? Just a couple of things, yeah. Yeah, so he's not been posting many videos for the past few months and he, he released a video, I think it was this morning, like touching on the same issue. Um, he had said a while back, like, if I don't post every week, then you'll know something's wrong. And so he did a little video today, like kind of opening up about what's been going on with him. And like, same thing, like he's felt a lot of pressure and um, he's felt like, like a lot of stress from running a YouTube channel. And for him, it's a little different because it's his livelihood, right? Like he can't yeah. just not do it because like, that's what he lives off of. Um, but like between the, the YouTube algorithm, like um, getting demonetized for some of his videos because like, you know, if he did a video, like the video that I discovered him on was where he made, um, he made black powder, like starting with his own urine. Like he saved up his urine. He like oxidized it in a natural process over a period of months so that he could, he could get nitrates and he made black, black powder out of it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's super cool. And then he like put it in a cannon and, and shot a projectile fantastic video but you know he kept getting strikes on his channel for videos that like youtube deemed unsafe because like someone oh, if they were like motivated enough could like save their own pee and like after six months have gunpowder so he kept getting 
like strikes, like community strikes, and he was like not getting the same viewership and like keeping up the pressure of doing the videos all the time. It sounded like it caused some issues with his relationship, so he ended up breaking up with his fiance. Oh, so like man. he was just having a really bad time, and he just like wanted to tell everyone like, hey, this is why I've not been posting so much. Yeah. And um, yeah, like it's hard. Like when you feel like you have to keep going and going and going, and sometimes you feel like you have to top what you've done before, and like. That's hard. Um, I haven't been doing this that long, but I can totally see how that would be tough. And that's that's like, that was nice that you talked about that because I think a lot of people like who out who are out there, creators and makers, like they feel that like once they start having people pay attention to what they're doing, like they don't want to let them down. Right. And like, but you have to remember like you come first, and like yep. you have to put yourself first because if you're not okay, like you're not going to be able to make stuff anyway. So, yeah. No, it shouldn't be a burden. In other words, it should be, you know, the create the creation and you sharing it should be a joy and, you know, inspire people. And as soon as it gets to be where it feels like a burden, that's when it's time to back off and, you know, take a break or something and you can come back to it later. You can always come back. That's why I've never done the Patreon thing. I looked into that. You're now, as soon as you do that, you are now obligated to do something not only for YouTube, but a special video for those people now too. So now yeah. you've doubled yeah. down, you know, you just loaded yourself up even more. And I guess, sure, you can make some bank, but, you know, I don't know. I, I looked at that and I just went, no, you know, I got too much going on to do that. It's, it's enough of a challenge anymore just to get some YouTube videos out there. So for sure. Yep. Well, anyhow, back to Maker Fair. Um, I kind of distracted you there. That's no, okay. Got to see Soppy live and in person and help with yeah. some repairs. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and for people out there who don't know who Soppy is, um, Soppy is my friend Roger's open source rover that he developed. Um, I can't remember. I'm, we might have talked about it on a previous episode of the podcast, but. Yeah, we did. Uh, I'm thinking three, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, for some quick background, I'm a member of like a weekly hacker group here in LA and um one of our members works at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and some of the interns at JPL developed their own open source rover project. And the idea was that they wanted, they wanted middle school students to be able to build these things as part of their like robotics curriculum. And so like all the plans are online and all the parts are easily sourced. And they asked us to beta build one of these just to see like, are, do their instructions make sense? How hard is this to do? Does it seem like something junior high students can handle? And we built one and it was a lot of fun. And that was the first project I worked on with the group. Um, but when we were done, like Roger wanted, Roger wanted some more. Like he hadn't gotten his taste of rovers like filled yet. And he also wanted to see if he could come up with something at a better price point. And so like, I think the open source rover cost, I think like $2,000 in parts. And Roger got his, his rover, which is mostly 3D printed down to around 500 and it runs off a Raspberry Pi. So yes, he took Soppy out for like Soppy's first big, like big, big, big conference and like drove Soppy around all weekend. And yeah, Dean, Dean can tell a little bit about um, the repairs and everything that he was watching us do. <laughs> I thought it actually held up pretty good for as many. Um, and like we were saying, you and I both, <laughs> the odometer thing, I remember I mentioned that yeah. she put an odometer on and he said, you have a mind just like this one over here. <laughs> he pointed to you and said she had the same yeah. idea. It's, yeah, it would be cool just to be able to track how far, you know, it's gone in, in one session or whatever. But for as much as it was uh, roaming around and turning its wheels back and forth all the time, just to have 
one servo fail and blow some fuses and like a, a coupling that holds the servo to the actual wheel assembly um, fail. I think that was about it, unless you, there was some other ones that you know of, but that's the only two I helped with the repairs on. Yeah, no, that was it. Though one, one of the other servos is starting to go bad as well. And so- um, Yeah, it lost a little like bit of its alignment yeah. at the end of the day. It had one wheel of it. Yeah, yeah. There's some kind of lifetime issue with those servos. And Roger and I are going to do a teardown and see if we can figure out what's going on with them. But we haven't gotten to that yet. So, but yeah. Evil uh, Mad Scientist was cool. Yeah. Evil Mad Scientist was pretty cool. The Uncovering the Silicon. That presentation was awesome where they took like a, they, they made a, a large scale model of, uh, an integrated circuit and how it's built and all the layers and it was like 3d printed pieces and uh, it was pretty cool because you could take it apart and look at it and actually understand just how an integrated circuit goes together in the layers from top to bottom instead of like in a three-dimensional space it works top to bottom by building layers and um, that was pretty neat and then seeing Helen Lee was really cool because I'm a musician so I was very curious about her work it's too bad she didn't get an hour she only had like 20 minutes and she was like moving along in her thing, yeah. like she'd had like 20 cups of Java. <laughs> she was, and I talked to her afterwards. She, I said, that was great. You know? And she said, really? I felt like I was just going way too fast. I didn't cover anything at all. And it sucked. And I said, no, it's good. You, you did good in 25 minutes. She goes, yeah, I really wish I would have had more time, but um, she did a good job with that. And her, her stuff is really cool. It's all uh, capacitive touch. Um, yeah sculptures basically that can play music when you touch them they're, they're really neat i want to mess around with some of that stuff that she was talking about yeah yeah um i i really liked um you saw her glove right like she was wearing that glove yeah i want to um, get one of those yeah I well i think that. she said that she has the plans for it online because um roger was talking to her about like how it works and she said well it's all available and so they were talking about like him developing a glove using the same technology because it's just a glove. It's a glove with a BBC micro bit like sewn into it. Yeah. And he's talking about making a glove for controlling Soppy so he can make Soppy drive with his hand motions instead of using his phone. Um, so I think she said the plans are online somewhere. I haven't looked yet, but if she said they're on there somewhere, they're on there probably. So Get home, um, maybe. if you want to make one, I'm sure you can. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be kind of interesting to put it on your hand. You'd have to have like an override where you just disable everything. Because, I mean, you know, what if you scratch your head? Yes. <laughs> Hoppy goes crashing into something. Right. So that was, that was exactly what they talked about. And, um, and Roger and I were talking about it later. And, like, she had said, like, well, you should just have the hand motion like, like, the, like the stop hand motion. You know, you put your hand up like this means stop. Like, just put your hand up like this. And like, if someone's wearing the glove and they panic, like when people panic, they usually just put their hands up anyway. Right. So like, if you make, if you give someone the glove and then they freak out and they're going to put their hands up and then Soppy will stop. So. Good idea. Uh, yeah. 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 So you have a, like a fail safe gesture. That, that, right. that makes sense too, because you know, up and then you could just push it down for forward and tilt left and right, you know, for the, uh, the steering. Yeah. I told him he's going to need to build a second Soppy and then have a glove for each soppy and he can be like sort of like a soppy, like super villain he can just kind of like throw his hands out there and make the soppies drive at people <laughs> that would be fun yeah be pretty cool got to meet lots of people too um mm -hmm. 
you know, that I've known online for years, uh, Mike, Mike Stish, and I now know how to pronounce his name correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Caleb Kraft, that was good. And, and Jerry Ellsworth. And when we met, you know, I, I, I walked up to her, she gave me a big hug, gave her a hug. And, and we talked to each other like we'd already known each other for five years. It was the funniest thing because we've communicated a lot over the years and, you know, we've shared a lot here and there. And, and um, she says, we have met before, right? And I said, no. You know, because I'm sure she goes to all these conferences. She meets tons of people. And I said, no, we haven't. I said, no. I said, I've been um, known about you since way back in probably like 2006 or seven when you were doing those videos called Fat Man and Circuit Girl. And she goes, wow, that was way back. And she goes, yeah, it's really weird. It's just feel, I feel like I've already met you. Like I know you really well. I said, yeah, it's kind of the same for me. It was funny. Yeah. And we got to talk for like maybe two and a half minutes and somebody came up, you know, I was like, hey, Jerry, la, 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 la. And I was like, all right, time to move on. So good enough. But it was nice that it finally got to meet, you know, and, um, and um, let's see, there's a couple other things. Oh, yeah, at the at the Maker Fair, there was a uh, one particular thing I did pick up and go home with. Uh, you can find them on Twitter. The handle is at WoolBuddy. And you bought one, too. Do you have it there? Yes. yes. Little, little fuzzy creatures made out of felt. And uh, they come in a flower pot. And there's these goofy looking little plant creatures with eyeballs. I brought no. one home for my wife, Lisa. Emily bought one. I did. They were pretty neat. I was very taken by those things. That, that yeah, was they were adorable. Like they're like little stuff. cactus monster things. And yeah. like, they're, they're grotesque, but they're really cute. And I, <laughs> I, I cannot get enough of that kind of stuff. And I saw those and I was like, oh my God, I have to buy one of these. And when I saw they were only $20, so like, that's a bargain. Like someone spent a lot of time making that thing and it was only 20 bucks. Yeah, and definitely. I got one and I, I have it on my desk at work now so I can look at it all day. So. I sent like a whole, I sent a picture of all of them that were on the table to my wife, Lisa, and I said, pick one. And she, she picked out two different ones. And one of the ones she picked was my favorite too. So I grabbed that one, <laughs> stuffed it in the, uh, in the suitcase and brought it home. That probably yeah. looked strange in the x-rays on TSA. Probably. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of TSA, <laughs> um, about your TSA adventures. Yeah, that was um, on the way to Maker Faire. Um, I was a little late getting started. I was about 15 or 20 minutes late leaving my house to drive to Raleigh to get to the airport. And, you know, then I had my, my cyborg thing that I built, which was on the side of my head and here in the front of my head. And it was made out of latex, you know, so of course, immediately they're like, oh my God, it's plastic explosives. Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to blatantly leave them right in the open and bring them on the plane. <laughs> uh, not. So I put it in a bag. I had it labeled, you know, dear TSA agent, here's what this is. You know, it's theatrical prosthesis, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be wearing it at Maker Fair, and this is where I'm going. And so immediately, you know, they pull it aside and everybody's got very serious looks on their face. You're going to have to step aside. Yeah, I figured that. And I'll gladly answer any questions you have. You know, I was like, being as cooperative as I could. So after it goes through x-ray twice, maybe three times with at least eight different TSA people looking at it, a bunch of them were looking at it and they're pointing at stuff and they're asking questions. They come over and they ask me, what's this? What's that do? Then finally they get to the end of the line, they pull it out, still in the bag and they ask me what it is, what's it do, where am I going? And you know, the usual drill that any kind of authoritarian thing will do where they're trying to trip you up. So they're asking yeah. the questions yeah. rapid fire and they ask them twice, but they'll ask them in a different way the next time around. See if you answer the same, you know, and I'm just firing back all the questions. 
and I got an 815 flight and it's like 755 and I'm still not through the line. And by about eight o'clock, finally they're like, okay, you're good to go. So I go around to the other side of the glass. I'm packing my stuff up. And a TSA agent walks around the glass and goes, could you hold on just for one minute? There's one more person who needs to look at this. No. Like, I, you know, I got an 815 flight. Oh, they'll be right here. It won't take long. I'm really sorry for the delay. And filling in the blanks of what I figured out later, what this was, was this guy's like supervisor. He's in a white shirt. He's off in a room somewhere. He finally gets there like 10 friggin' minutes later. Sorry, I'm late. I was working on paperwork. It's just like, you know, getting slightly annoyed at that point. And he looks at it. You mind if I take it out? Takes it out. And he's asking me questions with a demeanor that wasn't even about security. It was more of a guy curious about what my little thing was and how, how neat this was and what's it do and what's Maker Fair. How long have you been going to that? Oh, that's cool. What do you do? Uh, uh, YouTube? What kind of stuff do you do on YouTube? And I'm like, man, I got a flight to catch. You just want to have a conversation about stuff here. And I can appreciate that. But, and I might, if I take a picture, takes it out, takes a picture. I was like, all right, got to go. I pack up. I get, I, I literally walk down the steps, walk 20 feet to my gate and get there. And about two minutes before that, they closed the door to the plane. Oh, so that guy caused me to miss my flight. And looking back in hindsight, this dude that said, can you wait a minute was, I think kind of more or less just kind of like looking for brownie points. Oh yeah. My boss will like really appreciate mm. this over. It'd be a good picture, you know, for reference for other TSA agents. So really yeah. glad I could help you all be secure in the air with the pictures of my cyborg cam. Right. <laughs> I yeah. got a flight three hours later, but yeah, I was a bit annoyed for about 20 minutes. I was actually quite furious, but I got over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at it this way. Next time someone wants to fly with a cyborg costume, um, they'll make it through the TSA without any trouble because they're martyr for the cause. Next time I will be mailing that sucker because that's what I did on the way back. I put it, dropped it at FedEx in San Mateo and said, yeah, I'm shipping this back this time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the day before. So... Wow. So that was crazy. <clears throat> yeah. We went to a couple of cool meetups too, which was fun. We did. Um, three actually, if you count the one Friday night at the, uh, the uh, maker meetup at the, the, at maker fair. I actually went to four because I got there on Thursday and um, Hackaday does a thing up there in the, in San Francisco. Um, we have one, we used to have one down here. It was just a Hackaday LA meetup, but they have their own thing up there. It's called HDDG, which is like the Hardware Didactic Galactic, I don't know, Hardware Developer Didactic Galactic, I think. And it's a, it's a very fancy name for just like the hangout. And um, sorry, my cat is doing something. Um, oh, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's behind the TV, like attacking the cords for the TV. Um, anyhow, it's a very fancy name for like hang out and eat pizza and drink beer. And like, they have guest speakers talk about different things. And so we went to that when we got up there on Thursday and that was a really nice hangout, pretty low key compared to the other ones. It wasn't at a bar. It was at Hackaday San Francisco headquarters, um, which is just a little office. Um, and yeah, we had a sorry, sorry. cat back <laughs> knocking over the dinosaur because that's what cats do yeah <laughs> sorry 
Um, but yeah, the meetups were great. Like, honestly, like, you know what? Like, Maker Faire was awesome. Like, I had a really good time looking at all the booths, but I think that, like, the meetups that, like, sort of orbited Maker Faire were my favorite part of the whole weekend. Um, because, you know, you meet people at the fair, and, like, you get to look at their booths and whatever, but then you go to the meetups, and then, like, you can just kind of hang out and, like, talk, and you can talk about their stuff, and they can talk about your stuff, and you can just sort of hang out and, like, just be friends, right? And, like, be friends in, like, a good setting, like, hanging out at a bar and having a few beers with people who, like, do projects like you do projects. And I just had such a blast at those meetups. Um, yeah, they were fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could not believe how many people were at the Saturday one, which was, what well, that was, that was Tindy and Kickstarter, I think, that hosted that one. Yeah, and um, Hackaday, IO, like, Tindy, and Kickstarter. Yeah, it was just packed in there. And like, it was. It was totally so like no room at all to move around at the end of the night. Yeah, but like people are crammed into this bar and they have their projects with them and like you're drinking and then people are showing off like wild projects that like light up like a bunch of colorful lights or like string, string launchers that shoot strings in these long loops that like shoot out. Um, there yeah, was a was cool. like, levitator, like just so much cool stuff there and just like yeah. hanging out with these people and just like, like you said, it's like finding your tribe and like you just get to be with these people that like get you and you get them and just like hang out and do cool shit with each other. Like right. what a blast it was. As soon as I walked into that one, this guy walks up to me and he's like, looks at the cyborg thing. Is that's cool. And then he goes, look at this. And it's just immediate. I wasn't in there like 20 seconds. And this guy's like showing me his project and just going on and on and on about it. And I was like, okay, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Like, cool. You know, and then I go another 10 feet, same thing again. It was just like one after another. It was, that was awesome. That was a pretty cool meetup. And then Jerry's, uh, the bring a hack thing. That was pretty neat. Yeah. Bring a hack was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, that was the first like time the whole weekend I got to bring any of my hacks. I, I had them the whole weekend, but like, I didn't want to carry them around at Maker Fair all day. Um, I didn't have a booth and I didn't, they weren't the kind of projects, they weren't like yours. They weren't wearable or anything. Right. Um, and they're kind of fragile. And so I didn't take them to the fair at all. And I didn't take them to any of the like meetups until Sunday, but it was really fun to like take that stuff to the meetup and have people look at it because I have those projects around and like my family's seen them, my coworkers seen them and my friends have seen them. And I took them to the mini maker fair in downtown LA and it's all really cool. But like, those are not, those aren't hacker people. They're not maker people. Right. And, um, just having people that are into making stuff, like be really into your projects. Like that was just so empowering. Right. It was just cool. Like people are just like into your shit and you're like, wow, like, I didn't think people would like this stuff as much as they do. And like people were, were crowding around to look at my selfie cube and getting photos of themselves in the selfie awesome. It was just so much fun. It's that validation thing we've talked about before, you know, yeah. and, and I got to say, I'll say it. You were freaking holding court at that table for a little while. <laughs> it was awesome. It was like, you, there was like, I don't know, eight or nine people around you. And it was all about, Emily's stuff, man. Look at this person. Look at the shit she's doing. This is awesome. Yeah, so, yeah I was really happy to see that. That was great. Because it, it was some pretty cool stuff. And the bag of bones, that was the best. She's <laughs> like all of a sudden reaches in and pulls out this plastic like quart size 
kitchen bag full of nicely cleaned bones. Yeah. And start pulling them out. And I couldn't believe how people were so freaking curious about them and asking questions about and giving anatomy lessons about why the bones are shaped like they are. That was yeah. cool. <laughs> that was great. God. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a unique response because when, if, if anyone else sees just my bag of bones, um, it, there's always like a joke, like, Oh, are you a serial killer? Like, <laughs> did you kill those? Like, and it, no, I didn't kill them. No, I'm not a serial killer. Um, people tend to like bones when they're in projects, but I think that's often because they don't realize that they're real because usually when people say like, oh, that's really cool, like three questions later, they'll say, wait a second, is that 3D printed? And I'm like, no, that's real. Um, and then that I, begs the question. The bones, they're like, oh, what? Those are real? Where'd you get those from? But at, at make at the at the meetup, people are just like, "Oh my god, that's cool!" And they're just taking the bones and looking at them, and they're and they're talking about them in like mechanical engineering terms. Like, I think Eric, who's who's known as Tube Time on Twitter, he was yeah. like, "Look at the fillets on this bone. These are just like, right. like, yeah. I mean, they, they are. They're biological fillets, right? But he's looking at it from like a mechanical engineering like perspective of like." How does this bone handle like stress and strain, which is right. just a really cool perspective on things. No, it, you know, it all evolved that way from just lots of trial and error. Right. And so yeah. whatever work survived and what didn't failed and didn't get replicated. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, unless you're a creationist and then that's not true. <laughs> yes. Well, that night kind of ended badly for me. I don't know what happened, but I started to get a little ill. Um, I don't think it was the food at the place. Nobody else got sick. But I did get a glass of water from the bar and who knows, maybe the glass was dirty something, but I started to feel a little sick about, I guess it was about eight o'clock. And so I said, bye-bye to everybody, took off, got back to the hotel. And uh, without going into tons of details, we basically got sick. I threw up a few times and was feeling absolutely horrible and just thinking, God, this sucks. I got to catch a 6 a.m. flight. And then I woke up at 1.30 and there's nothing left in my stomach, but I'm still feeling nauseated and I go in the bathroom and I threw up blood, which freaked me out. So, um, of course, you know, I'm kind of groggy and I'm like, what do I do here? You know, how bad is this when this happens? And did a quick Google and everything was just saying, you know, go see a doctor now. Don't mess with this. And I thought, yeah, this is internal bleeding. It's not like a cut on your hand. You can just put pressure on and stick a bandaid on. So... I called 911, ended up down in San Mateo Medical Center, and they are awesome. They did such a good job. I was admitted at 1.30. They did some quick blood work, did a chest X-ray, determined that what it was was probably a ruptured blood vessel in my esophagus from throwing up violently, and I had already irritated it from talking all weekend, yeah. and um, gave me some anti-nausea meds and a prescription for more, and I was out of there by 3.30. Took an Uber back to the hotel, hustled around, found some more meds at a all night pharmacy, made my flight at 6am. And um, the flight home sucked. I felt like shit the whole day. It was terrible. I, I finally got back home and um, crashed out for about 14 hours and took about a day to recover, but I'm feeling pretty good now. But uh, that was no fun. I wish that on no one throwing up blood is a scary thing. You know, kind of a freak out moment. No, that is so, scary. Yeah, so the bookends to the weekend were kind of bad, but the overall weekend was friggin' awesome. Can't wait till next year. I hope I there's a next year. There's talk that there's I hope there is. I mean, I hope there is. I was talking to Caleb Kraft, and he was talking about the finances, and it's like, man, I hope they figure it out. Like, if it's if there's never another one again, 
that'll suck, but I'm glad I got to go to this one because this is my first one. And at least I know, like, at least I know what it was all about if there's never another one. Yeah. And if there is never another one, you know, there's many of them in other parts of the country and maybe people in other places will like pick up the ball and run with it. I know that New York Maker Faire is a pretty big one. And they have some other big ones in other parts of the country. Um, we we have a very small one here in LA. It's still a mini maker fair, but you know, there's so many people out there who are into making stuff, and there's a lot of people with a lot of passion. And I I have to believe that even if something happens and they don't bring back Bay Area Maker Fair, that the other people who run the other maker fairs will pick up the slack. Yeah, there'll be something else to take its place. I think I. I think Hackster Magazine or uh, Hackspace Magazine is doing um, a thing they call uh, Hackfest. Pretty sure I saw something. I'll have to look into that some more, but I think they're starting to do a thing like that. Um, so who knows where that'll lead to. And, you know, if it's not there, somebody else will come along and, and figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's already some things out there. We have we have SuperCon here in LA, which is a lot of fun. It's a it's a very different event. It's it's not it's not so much a show and tell like Maker Fair is. It's more like a like a three day hack fest, yeah. which is super fun in its own right. Um, and I'm 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 looking forward to it big time for this coming November. That was that was my first thing I ever like went to. That was like a big gathering of people that make stuff, and it was. It was like intoxicating, intoxicatingly cool to go and be around all those people. And um, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to more of these kind of things. We were actually talking about, I was talking to um, the folks from Crash Space. Crash Space is one of our maker spaces here in LA. They're out on the West side. And so I don't get to go out there to see them often because, well, ever, I've never been out there to see them um, because getting out there on a Tuesday night for their meetups is kind of impossible because uh, it's like a two hour drive in traffic. But I was talking to Barb Norin, who I, I forget if I'm not going to say what her title is with, with crash space. Cause I'll get it wrong, but she's involved with running crash space. And she and I were talking about doing some kind of like crash con, like a smaller thing, but here in LA and just get like all the people from around LA together for, a weekend like a long weekend and i think that'd be super fun so we're gonna see what we can do i guess yeah no that's if the people are there you can pull it off there's nothing around here i mean up in raleigh 60 miles away there's stuff going on durham has got us a uh, hacker space but here where i live in pinehurst you know everybody golfs so they get together and talk about balls <laughs> that's about it <sighs> so um I guess my fail of the week was missing my flight. Have you got one? Do I have a fail of the week? Um, no, I mean, we kind of already covered it. It's not exactly my fail, but, um, you know, Roger and I were running Soppy around, and it's, Soppy is Roger's robot, but Soppy broke, and um, we had to fix Soppy. Yeah. Um, what happened was that Roger was driving Soppy around in one of Soppy's wheels. Soppy has six wheels, just like uh, – curiosity rover does and one of the wheels stopped responding like it didn't steer anymore and so he was like all right i need to go limp this thing into some safe place where i can work on on it and on his way the fuse blew like the main fuse blew and so soppy was completely dead so he had to carry soppy in and he texted me and was like hey soppy's dead uh 
like, can you come help me out? And so I went over there and we like started looking at it and he was like, well, this one wheel went bad. And so we, we kind of just worked from there. I was like, all right, well, let's unplug all the servos. Kasapi has six servos. Six? No. Let me think for a second. Six. Ten servos. Kasapi has ten servos. Four for steering and six for driving. And I said, let's unplug all of them. And then we'll just plug them in one by one and like work our way back up to the one that seemed like it was the bad one. And so we did that and we just like worked our way through it and like, yep, like as soon as we plugged in the one that was like suspected blew the fuse again. But Roger's like very well prepared. Roger is very organized, unlike me. Um, if, if Sapi were my robot and I were up there, I would have been like, oh shit, I left the servos back in the hotel or like I forgot them back at home <laughs> or I didn't even plan on bringing an extra servo. But Roger had like a little spare parts kit that Sapi carried with him. And he had spare servo, he had spare mounting brackets, he had spare like linkage couplers, he had, he had all that stuff. So we just popped that servo out of there, we put the new one in. He had to do some stuff like giving it a new address because these are like smart servos and they have an address on the network that's like run by the Raspberry Pi. So he had to give it a new address and then we put it in and it worked. And like we just put all the mechanicals back together and Sapi was like off and working again. So. Cool. I don't know. I guess that was kind of a, uh, a, a fail and a success. Um, and I don't think that was a fail that like Roger could have predicted. Like the servos are just starting to go bad after getting a lot of miles on them. And there's no way to know when that's going to happen. But I was really happy we got uh, Soppy running again because Roger got like a ton of positive feedback on that Rover. Oh, so many people yeah. came up to him. So many people wrote down the information to build their own. Um, so I, I hope he, he gets more out of them. I think it was really cool that um, someone who saw his open source project built one, like built, built their own, and that person was at Maker Faire. And so like Roger got to see someone else's version of his own rover, and that was really cool for him. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I don't think I have a fail. I haven't really had a chance to work on anything since I've gotten back. Um, I'm just kind of trying to catch up on life. I haven't, I haven't even cleaned up my laundry or anything from getting back. Like my clothes are still all over the floor. So maybe that's my fail is that I've just left my house a huge mess. It's been the same thing here, especially with the business catching up at the business. And yesterday I was all foggy headed. So it was kind of crazy. Um, but I got caught up finally today. All the papers and estimates and invoices and everything are up to date. And finally got back to work late in the day on an awesome 1960 Jaguar uh, type D race car replica. It was a replica of a cool. 1957 car. Yeah, and it's got this big ass double over it cam six cylinder engine with three two barrel carburetors on it. It's just badass. And it came in running like crap. And within about an hour's time of doing a little work on the carburetors, I was done with it. I put a little video of it on Twitter today and revved it up a couple times. It's running great. So I love working on those cars. Um, life hacks. My, my little life hack this week was I needed glasses to wear uh, to be able to see at some time. I can get by without my glasses, but if I want detail at a distance, I want to read sign, I need my glasses. And I had this cyborg cam on. So I brought an extra older pair of glasses with me. And um, I was trying to figure out a way to get the screw out of one of the bows. And I was even at the the hotel room tearing apart like razor blades you know like the cheapy plastic razor blades thinking i could use one of the blades but they're way too thin 
And then I realized that if I kept this up with my fingers, I was going to slice the hell out of myself and that wasn't going to do anybody any good. So I figured out, okay, I'll wait. Somebody down there is going to have, I mean, you know, it's a bajillion hacker people. Somebody's going to have a small screwdriver. And uh, first I went to DigiKey. They didn't have one. They sent me over to iFixit. And of course they had one. They had entire kits. So I borrowed one of their little screwdrivers and uh, took the bow off. And then I was able to um, have a pair of glasses I could put on throughout the day with the right bow missing. And I could actually put them on my face and be able to navigate around and uh, read some signage when I needed to. So that was my quick little life hack was finding someone with a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a life hack. I, hang on. I left it on the table. I'll, I'll go grab it. <clears throat> All right, so my life hack was a travel-related life hack because um, I use a safety razor because these things are great. And for people that don't know what a safety razor is, they're these, they're these old-school style razors. My dad and a lot used of people say, them. like, why do they call it a safety razor? Like, you, it's so much more dangerous, right? <laughs> um, they're called safety razors because this was the first razor they invented that wasn't a straight razor. So this... This is not as safe as like using a Gillette like Mach 3 or whatever the heck they have now. Um, but it was a lot safer than shaving with a giant blade, right? Um, and they're nice because they cut really cleanly. Like they give a, like a really good shave. But if you're like a cheap ass like me, the best part is that the blades are super, super cheap. So you can get like a big pack. I think I have like, I bought a pack of like 100 blades on Amazon, like four years ago and I haven't even gone through all of them yet. <laughs> and the blades are like seven cents a piece when you do the math. Um, the downside is that the blade is exposed and it's, it's going to be hard to see on the video here, but there's the blade is exposed on both sides here. And I've taken this thing traveling with me before. And even though the ba- blade is like very minimally exposed, it's very sharp. And one time I was traveling and it, sliced into my tube of toothpaste and like my toothpaste like was just going everywhere in my bag. So that was just uh, an awful mess. Nice mess. <laughs> yeah. And so I had been traveling with this thing by putting a piece of like scotch tape over the top of it because that protects it enough or rather protects everything else from it enough. But that's kind of a pain in the butt because you peel the tape off and then it doesn't want to stick on again. And th- so you have to like find extra tape like partway through the trip. So that kind of sucked. And um, other people have said like, well, why don't you just take the blade out when you travel? And it's like, well, because then every time I use it, then I have to just throw the blade away and get a new blade. So this time around, I designed and 3D printed myself a little cover for this thing because I had looked at covers and they make covers for razor blades, but they're like very specific to the like brand of razor blade. So this is a Mercure. And like, if you get one from... I forget what the other brand is. There's another brand that I think is an American brand. Like that one's not going to fit this, this razor blade. And like, they also look kind of cheap. They look kind of like crummy and like they cost more than I would expect for like a piece of plastic. And I'm like, well, I can make a piece of plastic. I have a 3d printer. So I printed out a little cover and um, I did this in Onshape, which is like online CAD modeling software. And I printed it in PLA and it's really nice. Like it just, it's designed to fit over the head of the razor. And so you have like, it's like a clamshell. You have the two halves and then they just stick together and they hold together through friction. And so like, 
now I have a cover and it stays on. And so awesome. I took this up there with me and uh, it's great. And I'm pretty happy with that. I put it up on Thingiverse. If anyone wants to print their own, it's on Thingiverse. Um, I think I called it safety razor cover or something, or maybe we can stick the link in the video description if anyone's really interested or look on my Twitter. It's on there too. Yeah. Uh, so that's my life hack. Uh, 3d printed safety razor cover and it works surprisingly well. That's a good one. Isn't that great? Yeah. I mean, you could just like, I still marvel at being able to problem solve with a 3d printer. You just jump on your little CAD program of choice and whip up something and throw it on the printer and bam, yeah. done. You've got this proprietary thing that didn't exist three hours ago. Right. Right. Solve the problem. Like, I mean, this, this is the future. You know, we have, we have our own little, little factories in our houses. Right. Like you, when my grandfather was a machinist and an engineer back in like the fifties and sixties, you know, you have to hire a draftsman. You have to hire someone to model all this stuff and they'd sit there at a drafting table and they draft it all. And they like take it over to the machining department. You have to have a machinist set everything up on the mill or on the shaper and they have to shape it all and mill it all. And if you wanted a plastic thing, then you have to have like a tool and die maker. But now I can just like do this like with cloud-based software and like spend an hour maybe like modeling it up and then send it to my slicer and send it to my printer. And then like an hour after that, I have an object in my hand that like came out of my own head two hours ago. Isn't that the and that's best? just, that's magic, right? It like, is. That's it's totally like, magic. Yeah. I always marvel at it, like that that it was just some, <laughs> you know, I kind of get right down just to the physiology and chemistry of it. It's like, you know, when, like you said, the hours before, all it was was just some neural synaptic pathways going bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> and now it's this real thing in 3D yeah. space, you know? It was a thought in your head, just like everything around us is like that. It was once just somebody's idea that didn't exist, yeah. and now yeah. they're you know and if you look around you in the world it's like it's it's a marvelous thing what the human mind can come up with and engineer and build yeah definitely and now we've just compressed the time scale to so much smaller oh yeah if, everything's really quick now yeah as an amateur if, if i had wanted to make something like this hell even 10 years ago i would have had to like go out to my garage and get some wood and and cut some wood on my table saw and glue it together and put, and it would have been a big blocky thing. It takes um, a lot more time. Yeah. That would have been hours in the garage. Right. And then I would have made one and maybe it wouldn't have fit right. And I have to make another one. Like I might've spent a whole day on that. And I had to, I had to do more than one iteration of this, but by like the third one, it was printing fine and it worked perfectly. And I didn't have to sit there. Like what did I spend an hour? Like that's so cool. You can just manufacture stuff at home on your own in an hour. And that's just amazing. And I don't think people right. realize how cool that is. I mean, people still are kind of like, oh, 3D printers, those are cool. But like, it's mind blowing if you really stop and think. Like if you step back and like look at it with like a perspective of like, we are making things in our own homes like to suit our needs exactly. Like that right. is just so amazing. And I don't think 3D printers get enough credit for what they like the opportunities they open up for people. Hell no. Most people just look at them as something to print little trinkets, you know, right. They right. Think of and print some trinket, you know, but if you get, if you just learn some really simple drawing program, you know, or a CAD program and there's a lot of them out there, that's where you really can start to empower yourself with the tool you have at hand. And then you can really start building things. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, I'll segue into, 
projects. Yes. <laughs> Yes, the, it's, uh, it's, it's the tremolo. The mechanical tremolo iteration one. That it's got some issues. I got to work through another iteration. But um, the idea with this is it's a sliding potentiometer that can uh, move up and down and then change the volume of an audio signal, i.e., a guitar. So then you get. Can you scoot it up a little bit. I can't see yeah. it. There you go. So I got the cone is printed. That was easy to do. All it was just make a cone and offset it. And then it's mounted up on a Roomba um, motor. This motor was the one that poked out of the bottom of the Roomba and it had a little brush that just slung around and kind of oh. slung dirt into the way of where it gets picked up. And I have one of those. need to move it back and forth to change the amplitude, basically. So I printed a little sector gear and a gear. That's with a plug-in in SketchUp. It's a really cool gear plug-in. It's dirt simple to learn. And... Um, you can like, when you open it up and you make a, a straight gear, then you open it up again. And if you want to make a round gear, it's automatically got the same amount of teeth with the same pitch and it will match right up to the one you made before. That's awesome. So that's how I move that back and forth. But the issue that needs to be worked out is it tends sure. to stall. Move it up a little bit again? Yeah, there you go. It tends to stall a little bit easier ah. because what it's doing is it's trying to push on that was that was the residual voltage <laughs> burn. Ah. it's trying to push on a tiny little wire and so when yeah. it rolls around to this point it wants to catch on it and it binds up so the ah. solution that i know that just dawned on me just like a camshaft in a car this piston that moves up and down needs to be bigger it needs to be a larger yeah. diameter so there's more of a footprint on the cam yeah. any given time what so about they, putting a little roller on the end of that rod? They could do that too, but it's got to be bigger. It's definitely got to sure. be a little bit bigger just so it can follow better. So this is like, you know, iteration one and um, I'll just start all over. I'll take this and I'll just expand it out this way. So I got more room to put a bigger rod and stuff in it. And um, this will be coming up as a hack a week video pretty soon. I might do this like a part one, part two, because this is pretty much part one. I got this far. And so I'll explain what I've still got to do. And then part two will be the next version where I solve the problem and um, get it to work. And it's going to be this nifty little device that's just this weird wiggly round thing on the, on the desk. And um, it'll act like a tremolo. I love that. Cool. When, when you get everything all done, I'm, I'm going to 3D print my own because I'd love to play around with those. Yeah, I'll definitely put this on Thingiverse because um, there's musicians that, and musician hacker types that'll play with it. And I've also got an alarm clock that's that's failing on me. It's a really cool little clock. It's tiny. It's got a nice red light that doesn't keep me awake at night. Anything that's blue or green or whatever or VFD displays, they keep me awake. I don't know. It's just yeah. the color of the light. But red is okay. But the buttons on the top of it are getting really, really sketchy, glitchy. Mm. So I told Lisa this morning, I said, yeah, this thing, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in a different box. I'm going to Velasco it. <laughs> <laughs> You're now you're now a verb. Awesome. <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna call it. It was like I've always wanted to be a verb. <laughs> so I'm gonna put it in a box. Put some other cool. switches on it. Maybe do something clear where you can see all of its guts. Maybe kind yeah. Of, yeah. Because it's a cool little clock. Cool. Is, is it like an old? Like how old would you say the clock is? It's like maybe 10, 15 years old. It's just a little okay. you know, LCD or LED display. Red, big red numbers. Okay. Some simple little buttons on the top with a nine volt battery backup. 
So I don't know if you've, if you've opened it up yet or not, but I've, I've worked on a number of those clocks and I've found that the buttons do tend to fail. And if you've already worked on these, like, go ahead and stop me. Um, but usually since these things are built down to a price, they like skip out on putting proper buttons in them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times what they do is they have like really cheap contacts that are literally just pressing onto the traces of the PCB. Yeah. And Sometimes I found that they just hold, like literally a piece of scotch tape is holding the little like clicky button thing on top of the traces. And sometimes the tape, like the adhesive has just come loose and the things are slide out, slid elsewhere. Right. I, I have some time, notes in other devices. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the PC board, cause it's exposed copper, uh, generally it's just oxidized and it doesn't work as well. Um, but the nice thing about that is that if you do decide to rehouse it, like you have really big pads right there where that button's supposed to press on. You have really big traces that aren't meant for soldering, but it's a PC board, so you can solder. So you could easily solder on yourself like a pair of wires for each of those and give like a brand new button, like a proper button that's not gonna wear out. So right. that'll be fun. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, I might come up with, you know, do some cool, some cool button. I don't know, go shopping around for just a momentary contact button, do something neat or make a button maybe. Sure. You know? You know I think um, I was looking, I have a bunch of, I shouldn't say a bunch because I've used most of them. I have a bunch of those like arcade buttons, right? And they do make some really cool ones. I think Adafruit is selling a triangular one now that's lit up from inside. And, and the regular arcade buttons are cheap enough, but I think I've seen on Thingiverse printable arcade buttons that you can put a, um, like a little micro switch into. Hmm. And so if, depending on how much room you have, like I love arcade buttons because they're just so good and clicky. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have a nice feel to them. Yeah, yeah. So depending on what you decide to do, just maybe maybe those will work for you. I don't know. There's an idea. I could make it look like an old game console. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, just like a little tiny miniature game console and put the put the yeah. where the CRT would be. Yeah, like a tiny arcade put cabinet, right? On the front. That's a good idea. Yeah. There we go. We just invented something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that's it. It's the arcade clock. The arcade alarm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I think um this is fun because I think that we were talking about something else on an episode and and like we were brainstorming and that's where the mechanical tremolo came from, right? Like it was yeah, a different you episode. You mentioned that, yeah. Like it would be neat to just, you know, mechanically move a sliding potentiometer in some way. Yeah. And I didn't ever think of a slider. I was trying to think of doing it with just a, a rotating potentiometer, but it's a lot easier with a slider. Yeah. So, yep. Well, those are some good projects. Um, I have some projects. I actually got a package delivered um, this evening, and I just I haven't opened it yet, so I'm opening it oh, now. I got um. Christmas. Yeah, I got um. What did this I get? Like, this is our first first unboxing or unbagging on uh, right. the week coast to coast. I ordered a pack of these, I don't know, it's a cheap pack of perf boards off of Amazon. I bought some of those. I think the same pack, just a big ass pack of a bunch of assorted ones. Yeah. Um, Roger had a bunch of these and we've used them for the VFD project. And that's, and that's to specify that's vacuum fluorescent display, not the other VFD that I've been playing with. Um, these are pretty great. They're cheap. But like buyer beware, we did have one, and I know I mentioned it previously. Um, there was an internal short between the, I don't know what you call them, the perfs, the, yeah. the, the, the vias, the pads. There was an internal short between two of them that like we didn't, we didn't know was there that was causing our project to misbehave. Like inside the board where you couldn't see it? 
inside the board where you couldn't see it. And that's why it took us like two weeks to figure out what was going on. How the hell would that happen? That's wild. You know, I mean, because what are they? They're like some kind of epoxy resin board stuff, right? Right. And then when they, when they add the metal, I guess there must have been a void. I didn't autopsy the board because it's in our project. But my, my theory is that there must have been a void in the board and that the metal that they use to put into the vias, like when they, when they, so, when they do wave soldering or whatever it is, that yeah, however it is they yeah. apply the silver shit on this, yeah. like it must have gotten into that void and, and shorted two pads to, to each other. And um, yeah, so the last time I used one of Roger's, I checked like pad by pad, all the ones I was gonna use, I checked them with the multimeter, all of their neighbors, to make sure before I soldered anything to it that none of them were shorted to any of the other ones. Um, so yeah, if you buy these cheap on Amazon and like you wanna save yourself a headache down the road, like spend five minutes and check all the pads. I, I didn't find any and we've used them on multiple projects, so it's not common, but like when it does happen, like you're gonna waste a bunch of time not knowing where the issue is. So just spend like five minutes and just check all your pads first make sure that none are shorted to each other because no. if you don't, you're going to be kicking yourself down the road. Cause I bought some to make um, a couple little miniature uh, op amp audio mixers. So cool. yeah, that would definitely drive me nuts if one of those was happening after I built it. So I will be checking yeah. all of mine now that you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's a hard fix. Once it, once, if you have like a chip solder to the board and you have 16 pins, like you have to get your solder sucker out and like, desolder it and if you yeah. already soldered all the other components on like man you might as well just start over again pain so, in the ass right yeah and so when we had that one that was bad i ended up just clipping the offending leg off the chip because we didn't need that leg and i just clipped it off so it just it's disconnected from the chip and that was easier than desoldering everything yep simple solution. but i got these because uh, I'm getting ready to finish up that vacuum fluorescent display project now that we're done with Maker Fair and done with all the preparations for Maker Fair. I want to get going on that thing again. And for people that have been following me on Twitter, you'll have seen this thing. I haven't put any YouTube videos up about it, but I'm going to do a video for the final build. In any case, Roger and I have been working on this thing. I tore apart a video, a VCR timer tuner, and I pulled the VFD out of it. And Roger and I decided we wanted to see if we could run this thing because they were always sort of mysterious and like black magic to me. I didn't know they, how they worked. I thought they needed very high voltage. And it turns out you need like 25 to 30 volts, which is super manageable. Um, we built a board to power it. I reused a bunch of the components from the original timer tuner to build a power supply. It's ready to go for the most part. It takes input from a Raspberry Pi um, and it displays things. And I had an idea for this thing. I was asking on Twitter uh, what, what Roger and I should do with it. And everyone, because people are not as creative as they should be, was like, make a clock out of it. And I'm like, no, like there's a million VFD clocks. I'm not making a clock. And everyone was like, make a clock, make a clock, make a clock. And I was like, the hell with all of you. Fine. I'll make a clock, but I'm going to make a death clock. And so, so the death clock, my idea for this thing is um, – it displays time because that's what it was originally supposed to do. Like if, for those of you who are around in the eighties and up until probably 2000, you'll remember VCRs. They always had a little clock. And if you were like most people, 
it was always blinking 12 because no one ever remembered how to set their VCR, right? So it was always blinking 12. So that's the little, the little screen that I have, right? And since it was a timer tuner, it also has the days of the week on there. So you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so this is going to be really easy. Um, I shouldn't say that. Roger does the code. Though he's going to teach me how to do more code because I don't know Python really. I know just little bits and pieces, but I want to learn. Um, it seems easy to me, and it probably is, but like Roger would be a better expert. In any case, it's going to be really simple. It's, I'm going to build this thing into a little box that looks roughly like an alarm clock, and it's going to be blinking 12 until you touch the touch point on top of it, and that's what I have here. This is an Adafruit capacitive touch sensor. Um, I didn't buy it from Adafruit, and I feel kind of bad about that, So, but also it, it's probably counterfeit because it came from Amazon. Um, but it's a capacitive touch sensor for a Raspberry Pi. So the idea is like, it's gonna be blinking and there'll be some kind of indicator to touch this little thing on the top of it. When you touch it, it's just gonna run some code on the Pi and then it'll tell you the day of the week and the time that you're gonna die. And ah! this is- <laughs> I don't wanna know. <laughs> and it's gonna be meaningless. Like it's not gonna be based on anything. You're just gonna to touch it and it's gonna register someone touched it and then it'll spit out like a random day and a random time. Right. But that's the idea is like. So if you don't like the result, you just touch it again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So that, that's, um, what do you call it? Is, that's the, is that the Heisenberg uncertainty principle that like when you observe a, a system that you change the system, that might yeah, be the one that you um, tell both the speed it. and the velocity of a particle at the same time. Yeah. Now, there's a physics principle that says, like, as soon as you observe a system, you change the system. Exactly. So I'll just use that as my excuse. Like, if it's like, hey, I just touched it and it gave me a different time. I'm like, oh, well, now that you knew what time you were going to die, it changed everything for you. So now you have a new time to die. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm going to do with these boards and with this. And um, I'm going to see if I can get some work done on that this week. But... I'm going to be busy. We're doing something for my mom's birthday on Friday. I have uh, layer one coming up this weekend, which for people in LA layer one is like a local, like infosec information security and like security conference. And uh, my friend Jasmine at Hackaday and Tindy gave me a ticket. So I'm going to go to that on Saturday, I think. And then on Sunday, I'm going to DragCon. This is RuPaul's DragCon. I'm going to go to that on Sunday. And then Monday, there's a Memorial Day barbecue at my parents' house that I have to go to. And then my hacker group is having their own like potluck and barbecue. So my weekend is kind of already accounted for. But yeah. I'm going to try to get some work done on this thing this weekend anyway. I got like a car show I'm going to go to and press the flash marketing for my shop, which will be good. Cool. And a lot of the cars there I've worked on, so that'll be good. So your cool. mom's birthday is what, this Saturday? Well, my mom's birthday was actually like three weeks ago. But um, it was the same two weeks ago two weeks ago, but it was the same. It gets really complicated this time of the year because my parents' anniversary and mother's day and my mom's birthday are all around like within like three weeks of each other. And so it's like, they all stack up and it was also my parents. So it was my parents' 40th wedding anniversary and we were doing a big party for them. And yeah. so we just said like, all right, like we can't do all of this all at the same time. So we just, as a family decided to like delay my mom's birthday until later and my sister was camping two weeks ago and i was at maker fair last weekend and so this is the next available weekend where everyone can get together so and just kind of yeah. do it all in one shebang yeah yeah so we're gonna get together uh on friday and go out to dinner and uh 
Is it bad oh. that I've forgotten how old my mom is? Like, I kind of started losing track after they turned 55. Like, yeah. I think 64, yeah. but I'm, I feel I bad. Like, thing. I can't remember how old my mom is. I did the same thing when they started getting older like that. So, I guess then happy 40th anniversary. Happy birthday. And what was the third one? Um, Mother's Day. And happy Mother's Day. So, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch of these laying around on my desk. I've been waiting. <laughs> All right. Well, is that a wrap? I think for this week. I think that's for a wrap. About an hour. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into our Maker Fair special episode. We were actually going to try to do an episode from up there at Maker Fair. Didn't work. But, um, weather didn't cooperate. What's that? The weather didn't cooperate very well. It, it was like raining. Home. Yeah. It was windy and it was noisy as hell inside of the conference halls. And there was like no way we could record anything inside of them. Yeah. And it wasn't going to happen. Dean, Dean wanted to go look for some Mexican food. And so we went on a trek for Mexican food and we were going to try to, uh, it was a record an episode from the Mexican <laughs> restaurant, but that was its own little mini, mini fiasco. And that the Mexican restaurant happened to be inside of a mall food court. And that was not at all suitable for recording an episode. So yeah. we did not get it done, but, Yes. So here we so are. We're catching up now. We did it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you can find uh, our podcast in all the usual places. It's all over the place now. Um, it's being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, aggregated, I think it is. Disseminated. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's all over. So we put it on, I put it on Anchor and then Anchor puts it out to all the usual podcast places. And uh, we're doing this one on Zoom this week. So any feedback on uh, the video, audio, sound um, is appreciated. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hackaweek. And you can MLE. find me on Twitter at MLE underscore online and on YouTube at Emily's Electric Oddities. Of course, I've got Hackaweek TV on YouTube. So check us out. We do some fun stuff. Communicate with us. We and, do. Um, oh, 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 one more real thing. quick. Yes, I wanted to give a shout out. We had a fan of the podcast that came and talked to us up at Maker Fair, remember? Um, Vaguely, there were so many people. <laughs> right. Um, I, I am super sorry because I forgot his name. And I, if you're out there listening, I am so sorry I forgot your name. Like, it's nothing personal. I, I, was, I, I had had many beers when you introduced yourself and I had met like 30 people already that night. But like, I so appreciated you coming up and talking to us. And I'm pretty sure I saw you at Dean's talk on Sunday. So if you're out there, uh, comment on this video and remind us who you are because like you're awesome. And I'm like really grateful that you uh, enjoy listening to us. Yeah, that, that was the guy at the last, he was at the last meetup we were at. Or the, the, yes. uh, he was at the first one. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I remember him because he watched yeah. my motorcycle videos too. Yeah. 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 So whoever you are, you are super cool. And I'm like really glad we got to meet you. And yeah. I am sorry I forgot your name. I'm really bad with names. I'm sorry. Same here. So, Okay. Well, that's it for this week. So till next time. Keep on hacking. Bye. Bye.